If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome back to Girls Next Level. Guys, I'm giddy because we have so much material today. I don't know where to start, but how was your week, Bridget? It was good, but I think we should just get right into this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> something, first of all, something is in the air right now. I'm. We're recording this on the day of like the full moon and like Pluto is moving into Aquarius and like Saturn is moving into Pisces. And there's just so much random weird drama in like online communities and just weird shit. And yeah. Lots is of that why my morning has been so hectic and chaotic and crazy and I just felt like I was struggling to get here? Probably because a lot of things are changing and I feel like I've had a very like mercury retrograde-ish, even though nothing's in retrograde right now, last couple weeks. Mm. We're just kind of anything, not that anything bad has happened, but kind of anything glitchy happens and you kind of have to redo and all all the things so today we are talking about the first episode in the second half of season one this is episode nine under the covers and this episode came after we had a month long break we finished our eight episodes of girls next door they rated really well for the e channel so they ordered more episodes we started getting paid i don't remember how much it was a very small amount but yeah i think it was around like a thousand dollars yeah so a very small amount but still like at it least was we're getting paid something and that's what matters it was more like the principle of it and just the fact that we were spending money on clothes and things like that Mm -hmm. and I feel like they started picking up the tab on some things too yeah like if we were filming at a restaurant they would pick up the tab for the lunch or whatever like they started like realizing that this was costing us money Mm -hmm. to film it and I think that's pretty standard for reality TV shows but I think that production company just didn't know because they'd only done like documentaries before they hadn't done a reality show so they're finally wising up like oh if we're shooting at this restaurant we need to pay the tab not the girls yeah but before we start filming again I remember um, going back to like the end of the the season like mm-hmm. that before we had that month off they had a trailer parked on the property over uh-huh. by security <laughs> and that's where all of the production people would like hang out and like charge all their stuff and take their breaks and all that kind of stuff and I remember when I saw that trailer being taken off the property after our first eight episodes I was like oh like I remember feeling so sad like friends were moving out and like it was over like really over like I really thought it was over yeah that's so crazy I don't remember putting much thought into it I know last episode we talked about we were kind of either or on okay cool if we get renewed awesome but we weren't like super hung up on it. I wasn't hung up on necessarily like filming again, mm-hmm. but I felt like this group of friends, like the the field producers and the sound people and the cameramen, which I had kind of gotten friendly with, yeah. were just like gone now. And that trailer was gone. And it was kind of like another little, 
I don't want to say family because I don't know if I was that close to them, but like another group of friends. It was sort of like graduating and not getting to see those people anymore. So I, was, I remember definitely feeling a sadness. Well, it definitely leaves a void. I think especially too because the mansion was such a culty little bubble that it can feel easy to get attached to other things, other entities like that, like the girls next door crew or we're going to talk about later in this episode the bunny house across the street i remember feeling kind of a little bit of attachment to that house because it's like you go over there and it's just a different vibe yeah and again also in this episode with the studio i remember specifically the day we shot the cover thinking i love it here and i don't want to leave yeah because it was just such a different vibe like we'd been in this bubble for so long with like so much drama and craziness and just to have a camera crew there was kind of a breath of fresh air. It was. That's what I was going to say about all of those things. Mm-hmm. Each time we went to the bunny house or each time we went to the studio or the camera crew was there, like having new people in our world mm-hmm. was such an exciting, like, and like you said, like a feeling of fresh air coming, a breath of fresh air coming in. Yeah, it really was. So, so I, <laughs> Bridget, you have a look of dread on your face. I know. So I brought my scrapbooks out from August of 2005 because we had a really big weekend. The weekend of the Midsummer Night's Dream Party, which was on a Saturday, was the same weekend that Girls Next Door was premiering. So nobody in the outside world has seen this show yet. You know, we're about to get a taste of how people are going to react. Also, one thing Hef liked to do on Sunday nights, he would always show a new movie after dinner. And then after that movie, he would screen the episode of Girls Next Door in front of like all the friends that were there. And of course, he showed the uncensored version, which I didn't feel too weird about because I felt like it's the mansion. It's this group of 30 people. It's kind of like friends and family. But we didn't know we were going to be unblurred until the season one DVD came out, which is still way in the future. Yeah. So we're still running around free balling, thinking the only people that are going to see it are like this close group of people at the mansion. Yeah. So. (laughs) So I have these pictures of us standing in the Great Hall and they hung this big billboard size picture of us that advertised the girls next door in the great hall and I remember how good that felt I remember feeling really seen because I'd been living there for four years and supposedly like quote unquote I'm Hef's main girlfriend but like I just I just felt not important and not seen and like always like the scrub and he still had a picture of his ex-wife hanging in the great hall you know Mm -hmm. and finally we had this billboard up that made me feel validated yeah I know I was definitely super excited and then I have a picture of us with Kevin Burns he came over that day and he gave us gifts do you remember what he gave you as a gift I think it was the wolf wolf doll it looks like it it looks like the shape (laughs) I have no idea what my gift was I don't remember there's not a picture of it I'm holding a gift bag from him I drew a picture for him that said thank you Kevin and on the next page Bridget is this review of our show in the New York Post. Oh my God. It's written by a woman named Linda Stassi. This same woman wrote an article about me for the New York Daily News in 2015 when my book came out, and it was so unbelievably rude and uncalled for that I remember her name to this day. So when I flip open my scrapbook and I start reading these reviews, because I know I'm going to share them here on the podcast, I'm like, damn, this is a mean review. Who wrote it? Linda Stassi, of course. So when my book came out, she wrote this article 
just condemning me. Like everything that happened to me was my fault. She like drags me through the mud for working at Hooters. Like who the fuck cares? It's a restaurant with a tank top. And she calls me a heifer throughout the article. A heifer. Yeah, so body shaming's okay. Wow. Yeah. That goes beyond body shaming. That is just... It's fucking rude. Straight trash talking. Like, I don't know how does anything get published when people say things like that? Because this was in 2015. It was before the Me Too movement got popular. People didn't really understand what I was trying to say with my book. Nobody cared about how women felt about anything. I mean, this is a woman writing it, but she's a bitchy boomer. Yeah, but to call somebody a heifer, I mean, it's even extreme. then, like you multiple know. times in the article, yeah. Wow. So she gives the show two stars. Oh, well, we got something. Um, let me just read some highlights. She's talking about the theme song, you know. Come, she come doesn't like that house. either, or is that yeah. what we got a good star for? <laughs> yeah, it's, she, it says, I'll give you everything in the lyrics to the theme song. And she says, and Hef will. He'll give you everything except the normal, healthy life that a 20-year-old should have. Instead, these young women are in servitude to this old, creepy guy in the show, which is supposed to appeal to guys' fantasies. Ironically enough, presents a nightmarish trip instead into the lives of young women who service a 79-year-old in exchange for room board and all the hairdressers they could ever dream of. This is as repulsive of as life, but sort of fascinating as television, probably because it's not like anything remotely American. It's more like watching life in some sicko Asian broth Okay, so we're throwing some racism in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what, what's specific about an Asian brothel? What the fuck is she talking about? Why is it fascinating? Because these women are the worst of the American dream. Let's be honest. Who but the laziest women with the least sense of self-esteem could do this? They've sold themselves to this old fogey in exchange for living on easy street. Mm. I'm always interested when people call us lazy because I feel like you and I were really ambitious. Like we always had goals, even when we were like kind of locked into a position where we weren't allowed to do a lot of things. We were still like pursuing our own shit. We still had the longest fucking to do list. Like I remember we would meet up at the end of a day and be like, I only got like three quarters of my list done. (laughs) Like, we weren't sitting there fucking just eating grapes and like, I want to do this because I'm lazy. Mm -hmm. Like, that was never a thing. She's like, like other non-competition reality shows, the girls next door simply follows these women around as they basically do nothing except play games, hang around in bikinis, pet the dogs, and wait to be summoned. What most female viewers with any self-esteem will come away knowing is that no amount of money is worth it when the lights go down. But ironically, I mean, I could agree with that, but ironically, I don't think anybody walked away from the show thinking that. Yeah. I think people walked away from the show thinking, that looks fun. And I don't think they're really sleeping with him. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like Anna Nicole Smith, Hef's live-in pets who call themselves his girlfriends allow this 79-year-old man to climb all over them. And they act all dreamy when they speak of sex with the old codger. Ew. But I don't think we ever talk about sex in the show. Not that I recall. I feel like when sex is mentioned and it's only because they're grilling us in interviews, it's like, I'll say something like, oh, we do everything a normal boyfriend, girlfriend do. Like, I keep it really G-rated. Yeah, I feel like we're very flip about it and just sort of like... Yeah, that's kind of how we decided we were going to answer those kind of questions. And nobody's talking about sex in the show. So she's just adding this. This show is just Hefner's latest, desperate, relentless attempt at self-promotion. The girls come across as half-wits as if we're in any control of how the show's edited. 
And even the one who claims to have a master's degree sounds and acts like a dingbat. Claims? Thanks. Thanks. Like, does she just not believe you? Yeah, I guess. And she can't do the research either. Yeah. Sorry, Hef, nobody's buying what you're selling anymore. And that PJ getup, it was freaky when you were younger. Now it's just downright scary. So fuck off, Linda Stassi. Yeah, I just don't have anything nice to say about her at all. And then I found another one. This looks like it's in the TV guide. So she's reviewing the girls next door. Finally, a reality show set at the Playboy Mansion. The premise is promising, but the first episode in which we meet Hugh Hefner and his three girlfriends is about as exciting as watching hair dry. We see that, too, at a salon. Which, fair enough. Like, just so you guys know, like, I'm not stupid. I know this isn't, like, game-changing television. It's just, like, a silly reality show. But then... The cast includes Main Squeeze Holly and Kendra, who says there's two words people think of when they see us, bimbo or slut, which I think you said that. I said that, not Kendra, so she already can't get her facts straight. Add animal lovers to the list since the mansion looks like a chihuahua kennel. The girls are sweet, but not smart enough or dumb enough to be amusing. Okay, thanks. Fuck you, Susan Stewart. Yeah. And who'd have thought a Playboy Enterprise would need more sex? My score, four. Ew. Four out of what? Ten, I think. Oh. Because somebody here gets an eight. Oh. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. This is, like, making me so mad over again. Like, I'm just like, ew. Well, I love how these women love to call us dumb, but they're not smart enough to figure out that we're in no way in control of how we're being cut. Well, they're in no way smart enough to get their own facts straight or to do any kind of basic research to confirm things. So, yeah. Sorry, but my own reporting is better than this. No offense to boomers, but there's like a mean streak with boomer women. I don't know if it's like a side effect of like second wave feminism where people think like you can't be feminine or sexy or anything and still, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there we go. There's a couple other articles that are more like favorable to Hef. The ones that Hef actually speaks to are a little bit more favorable. That's good. We have some positive things. Mind you, the message boards are going on too. So we are just getting raked through the coals. Like we have all these negative reviews. We have the rude message boards. People are just tearing us apart. Yeah, people ask in my Q&As a lot of times, like I just asked for another round of questions in my Instagram and people always ask like, how aware were you of how famous you were or how successful the show was? And I mean, not very, because we were in a Mm. bubble. All I was really aware of were these horrible negative reviews There were horrible message boards, people just tearing us apart. And like, yeah, I know the show was a good opportunity as far as, you know, we got an excuse to be in the magazine and got to do some fun things. But I'm not feeling like it's necessarily the biggest net positive because we were hit with so much negativity and so much negative feedback. It's crazy. Like sometimes I'll get feedback from fans who are like, you're so negative about the show because they have positive memories of like growing up watching it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but how we felt in the moment when we're getting feedback from the show, we didn't know anybody loved it or liked it or anything. At least I didn't. I felt like everything else was negative feedback and we were so hated. Mm -hmm. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code program for a four week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. And then there's an article on from a website called Fanboy Planet. 
At first glance, the triumvirate of titillation do lead the empty lives that you might think. Each one spends her day fairly leisurely, pursuing whatever her personal interests might be. Dubbed girlfriend number one, Holly Madison's main interest seems to be Hugh Hefner. But I was full-time in school at that time. Nobody knows. Yeah. (laughs) It says you hold a master's and pursuing your second. However, your real dream is to be a playmate. But I feel like you can have both dreams equally. I think it's so, It's not too. like your real dream. And then, like, I know when we were reviewing, like, the first couple episodes of the season, I would point out how I felt that you and I were edited to look kind of bitchy, and they edited Kendra to look really favorable. And I know not everybody agrees because true colors come out later in the seasons, and we really appreciate that feedback. It makes us feel better. <laughs> but this guy's review kind of backs up what I'm saying about the impression that was created. Because when he talks about Kendra, he says, the real innocent athletic Kendra Wilkinson spends a lot of time at the gym. She also works hardest at debunking our preconceived notions. And she wants us to know that these women aren't skanks. Wow. (laughs) In fact, it's kind of strange that Hef purposely picks girls that aren't playmates. He may create an idealization on the page, but goes for something more human in his life. Like as if we're just not as good. Yeah. And I think people don't get it now because they've seen the whole series. So they see how we all have progressed and they Mm -hmm. they are basing their feelings on how they see us after the whole arc is done, not on how we were seen in the moment. Yeah. Here's um, a short review from Us Weekly. In this campy reality show, Hugh Hefner and his girlfriends, including number one girlfriend Holly Madison, live pampered lives at the Playboy Mansion. How pampered? In the premiere, the girls play with a hula hoop. What? That's so pampered. I thought oh they were gonna God. be like they're at the they're at Jose Bear Salon or something, but no, we play with a hula hoop, that's pampered. Yeah. So here's an article from the Hollywood Reporter by Michael Spear. It can't be this simple. The key to a great reality show is little dogs. Sharon's puny pooch stole the show on the Osbournes, and now ease the girls next door about the lives of Hugh Hefner's girlfriends who reside at the Playboy Mansion is peppered with freakishly fluffy canines that yelp and yelp. It's also stuffed with some of the dumbest women you'll ever want to switch places with. Wow, who is that? Michael Spear? Yeah, hi, Michael Spear. Okay, you piece of shit. Ladies whose day revolves strictly around hair appointments and the gym and premieres. Okay. Um, what, how many degrees does he have? I don't know. Yeah. Who was he working for? The Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> and then we have his- just a listing of the girls next door. It's not a review, but the picture that accompanies it is one of me at that TCA critics panel that we were at. And the look on my face is just, you can see it all. Like, I'm yeah. just like trying to sit there, trying to contain myself. <laughs> like I'm doing now. Yeah. Because I'm I'm furious. Like, I want to look each one of these people up, and I want to find out exactly what they're doing right now, and I want to have a one-on-one with these bastards. Yeah. All of them. Yeah, they're assholes. And I feel like that was so commonly just the way women were treated in the early 2000s, like it's, the way people tore apart, like, Britney Spears and Paris Hilton. There was this weird thing I saw. It was on some documentary somebody made where Paris was, like, at the Ivy, and she's standing there with her PR guy, and some interviewer is 
asking Paris questions on camera, and he's reading off all these really cruel comments people made about her online that I'm not even going to repeat because I repeat because they were so mean. And she's just standing there looking like she's about ready to cry. And I'm like, why are they just standing there? Why isn't her PR guy telling this guy to like fuck off? Yeah. But I feel like that's kind of how it was in the early 2000s is we didn't have social media to speak out on. And you kind of felt like if you wanted a career, you kind of had to put up with that or else nobody was going to cover you. And it sucked. Yeah. Oh, well, now we have to go into like a happy episode. And I'm like, no, sorry, I I set the tone. But that was just kind of, you know, what we were dealing with and like the feedback we were getting. And it was another thing, I think, for me, like so many things in my experience at the mansion just made me feel afraid to leave and like insulated. And like, that's another thing. When you feel like the whole world fucking hates you, you're not really feeling confident about leaving a relationship that's not great either. You're like, I'm just going to be judged in the world worst ways moving forward Mm -hmm. which I wasn't wrong about because it does follow you around forever that's kind of why I'm still talking about it now but well even when we started doing this podcast or when we announced that we were it was even before we did a first episode and Mm -hmm. we had um we just had like a little teaser out on the podcast and stuff Mm -hmm. and we were just announcing that it was coming out there were people already going on and leaving reviews without even hearing it and people were giving (laughs) us like I mean, for the most part, there was like really positive, amazing reviews mm-hmm. and people were excited. But there were people on there that were like totally saying these same things still about us, like calling us bimbos, yeah. like telling, saying we're uneducated, calling us hoes, like just all kinds of negative things. And it's just like, when does it end? Like, mm-hmm. when do we ever get to tell our side of the story? I mean, we're telling it, yeah. I know, but I mean, like, when do they ever listen like they won't listen. Right. And it's because they don't care because they don't want to change their mind. They already know who we are in their heads and that's it. That's it. I think I've developed a tick when I'm talking about my experiences where I repeat myself a lot. Like when I go through the editing, I have to cut what I'm saying because half the time I'm like saying it double. But I feel like that comes from a place of just never feeling heard or never feeling listened to or which I need to kind of give up because you just can't babysit everyone's opinion of you. But I repeat myself all the time because I just feel like people don't hear it. Wait, I do that too. And I'm like, is this a weird thing that I do that I always say that something like twice? And sometimes I'll say it in a slightly different way, mm-hmm. but I know that, and I know I'm doing it, but I do it on purpose because I, I always think people didn't hear me the first time. I know they didn't. And they prove it to me all the time that they weren't listening the first time. So I always like reiterate a second time mm-hmm. what I'm saying because people do not listen. Yeah. And then there's the people who don't want to listen, which is like a tiny subset of people, but you know, you stumble across it online you see sometimes I'll say something and there's people out there who are just such determined haters they'll take a quote what I say and then they'll write a whole paragraph twisting it around trying to make it the literal opposite of what I say and I'm like you guys drop it yeah so that was our break it was so exciting and so fun yeah really interesting it just kind of made me retreat a little bit more I think especially after dealing with it in person at the critics panel and then seeing all those reviews it kind of solidified my feeling of well I really need to make this relationship work it needs to be just me and him we need to like settle down and get married and have kids because there's nothing else out there for me like I can't ever go back to a normal life like that was kind of my thinking for a lot of reasons but when you get all this negative feedback it solidifies that and it makes me feel like okay I don't ever want to leave these gates again because everybody hates me they're like standing out there with pitchforks and torches yeah 
So, a deep breath on a more positive note. Yeah, so switching gears totally. I personally enjoyed this episode. Yeah. I thought it was really fun. But I feel like you're going to have a lot to say about this episode because I feel like it was a little bit more your episode. Yeah, it kind of was. And this is actually the first episode that I don't have a crazy conspiracy theory about. Oh, okay. It's pretty straightforward. Okay. Don't get me wrong. There's some off-screen drama. There's a lot of cringe. But I don't have like a huge conspiracy theory about how the producers were trying to portray us for this one. <laughs> well, here's a note that I put too. And I don't know when it happened. I'd have to go back and look mm-hmm. at the notes. But we got rid of that really creepy producer yeah the one who was obsessed with Kendra yeah he's gone and so I feel like once he was gone you see a definite shift in the episodes yeah I don't feel like they're trying as hard to categorize us or mischaracterize us like don't get me wrong it's kind of on autopilot for the rest of the series but I think they've kind of backed off a little bit and relaxed a little bit and now it's more about okay what are these girls gonna do yeah and I think it happened somewhere around episode five or six Mm -hmm. where we shed that person Yeah. And before we move on too much, just getting back to the reviews, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't expect people to watch The Girls Next Door back in 2005 and think, oh, my God, these accomplished women, let's give them props and write an amazing review. Like, it's not like I expect anything like that, but it was just like a silly reality show. And like, why do you have to be so fucking mean? Yeah. And like, just say things that aren't true and be like, oh, my God, these girls are so fucking dumb. Yeah. Because like, what if we were dumb? Like, that would be really mean. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like even, like even getting down to it, like they're really mean. But like, what if somebody was just not the sharpest tool in the shed and like the best outlet they had was like dating a rich man? Like, why do you have to be mean about it? Who is that person hurting? Yeah. Did I ever piss in their cereal? No. Right. And it's just not true at the end of the day. And I think that's what's most infuriating about it to us. Yeah, well, it's not true. And they didn't even bother. They didn't even bother to look it up. And then even when it's a fact, I'll just use the master's degree mm-hmm. as a thing, even when there's a fact, they like try to belittle it or act like it's just even something the one I'm claiming. And that it's not even true. I knew that with my look and my blonde hair and my personality and liking pink and all that stuff, that I've never been taken seriously yeah. as like a smart woman Mm -hmm. ever (laughs) rare or I should maybe I should just say rarely yeah and you know the hate in the reviews it all falls on us it's never like what is this network and production company trying to push and I know there were people around that time kind of asking questions of like why is this in the zeitgeist why is everybody pushing the not just us but like all the quote-unquote dumb blonde content like the simple life and newlyweds and just all that kind of stuff that was out there But nobody's looking at the review and if they have a problem with people being presented as like dumb blondes or whatever, they're not like, okay, Prometheus, okay, E, okay, Playboy, why are you pushing this on us? It's like, we the girls are the villains. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's really fair, but okay. So this episode is, I'm going to call it the sloppy seconds episode because all the footage, pretty much all the footage, except I think for the magazine reveal at the end, was shot while we were shooting those first eight episodes. So E! renews the season. They add six more episodes to season one. And of course, the producers want to hit the ground running. So they cobble together an episode with the leftover footage they had from like the first eight episodes. 
So my plot line is like I'm redecorating the guest house and I'm throwing a barbecue to welcome the new girls to the Playmate house. And that was all stuff that was filmed in like June, like back when we were doing all the other stuff. But I think they just didn't use it because it like wasn't that exciting. Well, it starts out in the dining room. The 96-69 scene. Yeah, it's Hef, Kendra, and Stacy, And it's throwing me off because Kendra is sitting where I normally sit, which is totally fine, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thrown because when were we ever not there? And the only time I can think of that I wouldn't have been there is because I was gone to North Carolina to visit my to my brother. I don't even know if I went on a weekend mm-hmm. for that, though. I feel like I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been allowed to go on a weekend. I feel like I would have had to have been home by a Friday buffet dinner. But maybe that was when. Well, also, the dining room looks really empty, too. Like, I know Dickie Band sits down at one point, but doesn't the whole table kind of look empty? Or am I remembering that Yeah, one? so it's very early at buffet dinner because Dickie Band's just getting his first plate of fruit. So yeah. that means that it's just starting. He's always <laughs> the first one there, and he always starts with fruit. Like, that's his first course, just fruit. Then he makes, like, ten courses, you guys. Well, then he sits down with his plate of melon, and I just remember he would always have these sayings about his eating habits. And like melon, I guess it takes a special digestive enzyme to digest. So people sometimes say melon, eat it alone or leave it alone. Like don't eat it with like a starch or don't eat it with like a protein because it's hard to digest. (laughs) So Dickie would always say that, eat it alone or leave it alone. (laughs) And he would always talk about eat slow because he would say you should eat slow so you don't like for digestion or whatever and I would always go that's what she said and he did eat slow yeah (laughs) and he grazed the entire time until Hef was like called it for movie time yeah and then and then you could see if Dickie wasn't done he'd be like like (laughs) so funny the panic would set in (laughs) he wasn't done so it's Hef Kendra and Stacy and Dickie comes and sits down, and they're doing the, like, 69 thing. Uh-huh. They're making, like, signs with their hands. But where are you? No, I think I was there, because at one point, you can see the camera kind of pans away a little bit, and you can see a plate in my spot. So I think I was still, like, walking around getting settled, but they kind of, like, cut me out a little bit. Oh, so I don't think it was that I wasn't there. But also, it just looks like Hef is down there oddly early. It does, because Hef usually came down a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So there, it was kind of a weird Yeah, and setup. maybe you just weren't down there yet. Maybe. Yeah, it's possible I just wasn't even down there yet. Yeah. And then I came down a little bit later. I, I didn't even think about that. But I know in commentary, we're even, like, confused. Yeah. Like, all of us are like, why? <laughs> when was this? Yeah, like, why are we not there? That is really, really weird. Also in the commentary, because the topic of this episode is us getting the cover of Playboy, we are going in so hard on the commentary about how grateful we were for this opportunity, how amazing it was, how grateful we are, etc., which we were and are and it just makes me think about the topic of like being grateful because ever since I've spoken out about my experience there's always like haters out there who want to be like you need to be grateful and I feel like you can be grateful for the good things and grateful for things happening but still acknowledge other fucked up things absolutely and still acknowledge that the reason I got those opportunities were because those opportunities also worked for Hef in a way and that's why he chose to do them he didn't do it because he was sitting around going you know what means the world to Holly being on the cover of the magazine so I'm gonna put her like that would have never happened you know what I mean and I'm not saying that needed to happen but I'm just saying like it was what it was and like how long do I need to be 
And it's not that I'm not grateful, but how long do I need to be so grateful that I'm not speaking out about what the truth really was? You know what I mean? And it also makes me think about the concept of loyalty, too, because when my book first came out, so many people would call me like disloyal or a turncloak. And I'm like, I don't really get how I'm not being loyal because I hadn't spoken to Hef for years at the point when my book came out. Like we no longer had a relationship. He'd been like nasty and snarky towards me. And I'm just like, why do I have to stay loyal just because he's the one who's rich or older or a man or more high profile? Like I'm expected to like, quote unquote, stay loyal, even though he says snarky things about me in interviews when he doesn't need to. And like, what what is loyalty and when does loyalty expire? Because ironically, I feel like in relationships, I'm super fucking loyal. Like I so hardcore had his back the whole time I was with him up until the day I broke up with him. And, you know, still now in relationships, I'm super fucking loyal to the point where, like, if anybody's talking shit about somebody I care about online, I have to fucking bite my tongue to not, like, dive in and give that thing more attention. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, like, why are people expected to, quote unquote, stay loyal to people who aren't loyal to them back and never were loyal, let's be real, and never stuck up for me in any way? You know, it's just I don't I don't get it. Like what loyalty goes both ways and accountability goes both ways mm-hmm. absolutely and I, I feel like too like I'm grateful for everything for the, my experiences and and but that doesn't mean that there wasn't ever any bad times there yeah. wasn't ever a negative thing that happened like can't you have both can't you be grateful for things but also point out where things weren't so great I feel like that's just life Exactly. So the next scene, you're an interview setting up that we get the opportunity to shoot the cover, but it's typically reserved for celebrities and people who are really big deal. So we don't know if we'll be getting it or not. So they're really building the stakes here. Mm-hmm. And they're like flashing covers of the magazine on the screen with like Jenny McCarthy on there and just like a bunch of Paris Hilton and other celebrities. Yeah. And then it cuts to um, you're in the guest house and you're moving heavy ass furniture. I was okay. like, what the hell? When I watched this, I was shocked because I forgot how hands-on I was with this redecorating and like I was literally moving heavy furniture I was unscrewing screws from walls like all this stuff I was like damn I was really in it so the guest house at the mansion we've talked about a little bit before because Bridget stayed there when she was testing for playmate and Bridget when you stayed there It was only two bedrooms and it was like a kitchen. So it was full original Barbie Benton 1970s country cabin. You guys, this was a country. I know I've said it before, but this was a country cabin like straight out of Frontierland, like next door to Country Bear Jamboree. You would not even stay there. If like that was an Airbnb, (laughs) you would be like, no, this is archaic. Like I have to get wood to start the stove like kind of thing. Like it was just like straight up 1800s in there. And I love it they actually show a photo of what it looked like so you get to see it in full effect when I walked up to shoot the magazine and they were like this is where you're staying I was just so baffled I can't even describe like how what a weird juxtaposition this was as to what I thought the Playboy Mansion was and then I'm here in this rustic cabin like it's not what you would expect from the Playboy world at all and I'm kind of thinking because I feel like in the 70s there was a little bit of like country music chic like remember Barbie was on Hee Haw oh yeah and this was back when like Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers were big and there was kind of like a 
I don't know, kind of like a country glam type I of I guess. I wanted thing. to do hee-haw. They brought it back. I wanted to do hee-haw. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cute. I feel like I would be a hee-haw girl. So that was what Barbie <laughs> was totally into. And she redecorated this guest house. And she did a really good job. Like, everything in there was an authentic antique. And she used, like, all reclaimed wood from, like, barns and stuff. Like, it was... It was elaborate. I'll give it to her for the theme man. She yeah. went hardcore and she stuck to the theme. And that that I will give her credit for. Yeah, I was reading this book that was written by a mansion butler in the 70s. And he was talking about the guest house. And he's kind of dogging on it. And he's like, yeah, it was all like tacky, fake antiques. But they weren't fake antiques. They were real. And I think Barbie, once she left the mansion and moved to Aspen, I think she had her own antique store for a while. Oh, So, but after you stayed there in 98 and before I moved in in 2001, they did like a half renovation where they took out the whole kitchen part of it, added two bedrooms. And then what was left over was really odd because they didn't take out all the reclaimed wood and all the patchwork curtains (laughs) and all the other dusty antiques. They just left a lot of it there. But then there was also like just contemporary basic drywall. So it was this weird mishmash of like basic basic contemporary and old musty country cabin and it just was not what I felt should be like the introductory scene when a woman comes out to test for playmate like I remember when I was you know younger and dreaming of being a playmate and I'd read Jenny McCarthy's books and she talks about how she came to the mansion and she calls it the playmate barracks the guest house that's what she calls it but I pictured something that looked like a cute college dormitory with like playboy memorabilia and like pictures of playmates Like, I didn't picture anything, like, super luxurious. But I just thought it'd be kind of cute and, like, collegiate and have a little bit of Playboy history woven in. Yeah. And I asked if I could redecorate the guest house because I thought it was so depressing and so dreary. So I started doing it, but I had no budget. Like, they didn't want to allocate any budget to that. They didn't give a shit. Hef didn't care if the house was musty, even for guests. So I decided to go with, like, a shabby chic look because shabby chic was super in back then. And if you guys don't know what shabby chic is, look up Pamela Anderson MTV Cribs because her Malibu house at that time was the epitome of shabby chic. Yeah, It was just, like, a lot of... It was very feminine, very like antique but not really antique, very light and bright, a lot of white things, kind of cheerful. So because that was in back then and because it would work with like the reclaimed wood that I had to leave in there, I just thought I'm going to go with that. And there was no budget. So like if I wanted to order new sheets and new duvet covers, like they'd reimburse me for that. And there was like on staff maintenance people to mansion. So if I wanted a room painted, we could do that. But there, like this was not going to be like an architectural digest or anything like really good because there was literally zero budget. Yeah, it was very DIY. I do want to say, too, and just to clarify, they try to make it look, I feel like the editing tries to make it look like the reason you want to redo this guest house is because Barbie decorated it. I know. We have Barbie Burns back on the show. We're showing the old archival photos. And I say in the commentary, too, I don't like the way they cut it because they make it look like it's some kind of vendetta thing that like, ew, Barbie did this, so I have to redo it. And that's not it at all. Yeah, but that's what they try to make it. And then I say it was probably just because it was like rustic country style. And you're like, no, actually, it's because it was hodgepodge. (laughs) It really was. Like if it had still been like country cabin, still not ideal and probably like a little bit dark and depressing but at least it would have been cohesive yeah what was there when I moved in was just a weird mess 
it was dark and depressing in there trust me and it was cut it was cozy but in a dark and depressing kind of way <laughs> yeah very musty it, and dusty it needed to be redone oh i wanted to say you don't want hef to see any of this progress and i know why but i feel like you should tell the listener why you don't want hef to be involved in this in any way i don't want hef to be involved in the process because he's one of those people that will weigh in on every little decision and be like no it can't be that it has to be that like he needs to see the whole vision and realize that it cost $200. You know what I mean? Otherwise, he's going to like just weigh in on random shit and like ruin it. But without like it would be one thing if he's like, oh, this is my guest house and I want it this way. Here's what we should do. But it wouldn't be that. It would just be like him vetoing every single thing because that's kind of his personality. Yeah. So I'm like, no, you need to just wait until I'm done and then you can look at it. (laughs) Yeah. Which I'm shocked he let me do it at all. I think the only reason is he knew it would cost zero dollars and he's like, okay, cool. Let's get some free labor. Maybe. I don't know. I really because I'm honestly shocked he let me do it. Yeah. And. This is a spoiler if you haven't seen the episode yet, but hopefully you already watched it. But they never show a reveal. Do they do it in a future episode? No, they never do it. Although if you guys are curious what it looked like, they do move you out there in later seasons to do your interviews. Yeah. And you're doing your interviews in a room and it's pink. So it's kind of made to look like it's your room, but it's really one of the guest house rooms. Yeah. Because I started throwing a fit about doing the interviews in my room. Yeah. So (laughs) the guest house does make a cameo, but they don't show a reveal. And I think the reason they didn't is I think it genuinely was not finished. Oh. By the time. So we didn't see a reveal. And then we cut to your room, and Winnie looks so cute. I know. She's just at this really cute in-between age where she's no longer, like, puppy infant. She's just, like, getting into puppyhood, and it's just a really cute age. And I love, again, I always say it, but I love that these are kind of like our old home movies for our pets, and I love that they capture that. Yeah, totally. I was talking to my mom about exactly this on the way mm-hmm. here, and she was like, you know, I was watching one of the episodes again when you guys came to Lodi with Grandma and everything, and it's such great, like, it's so nice to have all of this, and it really is. Yeah, that's one of the things we are super grateful about for this show, is it's like having really high quality home movies of things that you wouldn't necessarily think to capture. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So I'm no makeup again. We are free balling. Yeah. Okay, so I'm in the room, no makeup again, and I'm talking to camera about how we're going to shoot the cover. And I say I kind of have my hopes up, but I know I shouldn't. And I feel like this is just kind of another example right here about how we feel unworthy of getting this opportunity. Absolutely. And Because I was like, God, I'm so unsure about it. And then you come in my room, and you and I are headed to the studio early to start hair and makeup. But before we leave, I tell you, Hef's reaction to the cover concept which was us in bed and he goes oh perfect yeah like of course you think that's perfect yeah like the whole pictorial is supposed to be like what they do in the bedroom which is fine it's supposed to be a sexy pictorial but yeah and Anastasia is actually coming with us in this but they just cut her out totally oh, poor Anastasia I know but I don't know why well I have one reason, although this makes no sense because they show her later. The pre-makeover? Is, yeah. is She had this makeover with completely different hair and everything. And then you see her later in this episode and it's pre-makeover. Yeah. <laughs> but if they're going to show her later in the episode, why not show her now? I guess maybe the producers thought they weren't going to show her, but then they do yeah i think this episode is just so hodgepodge because it's like leftover footage yeah i'm like do they just not have a use for her now like what what and then yeah i have about the concept in here and he's like perfect perfect (laughs) 
So then we're at the studio. We're all posing on the Hef bedroom set. We all look really pretty. We have the tri-light, the golden tri-light on all of our faces. And people still, even though I've tried to explain what the tri-light is, I'll still get comments like, where do I get a tri-light? I've been trying to look it up. No, no, no. Tri-light is a huge old thing that they don't make anymore. A big light, like a studio light. Yeah. And later in this episode, someone gets, well, not in the episode, but like off camera on the episode, one of the photo assistants gets electrocuted by the tri-light because they were old back then yeah yeah it was like a dangerous light (laughs) but it was just the prettiest light just golden glow faces but I did want to make a point here we're not actually shooting the cover in those first scenes yeah we're still on pictorial yeah we're shooting pictorial in the Hef bedroom scene yeah it's not the and it shows a comparison of Hef's real bedroom and the one they built overnight in the studio which was really well done it was incredible yeah they did a great job I was like, I remember being blown away then, yeah. but like even seeing the side by sides again, I'm like, wow, they're good. <laughs> and it's so funny because it probably cost a good $20,000 to build that set when they could have just been like, Hef, can you stay out of your room for five hours? <laughs> but no. <laughs> that is insane. And they even did the chandelier, but I don't even know if the chandelier makes it in the photos. I don't think it does. I don't think so either, but they did it. Yeah. Then we cut to hair and makeup. But they already showed us shooting, but now we're in hair and makeup again. Back in. I know. Um, And me in an interview talking about how the cover shoot is just us in bed. And we tested it in white sheets. And then we did it. We tested it in black sheets. Were we really that invested in what color sheets they used for the cover? Because in the episode, they make it seem like we're so stuck on the black sheets. And I do remember that was our preference. But how hung up on that were we? Do you remember? I don't think we were that hung up on it. I don't think we really, we did want the black sheets, but I don't think we cared one way or the other. But I think what was like the ticking time thing is that they wanted us to like stay in that position Mm -hmm. and wait on Hess phone call. So like we're waiting on that decision. Like it's the biggest decision of our lives, whether it's white sheets or black sheets. Yeah, it was like swapping out sheets, get back in position. And it was a weird kind of awkward position to hold. And didn't they have to like kind of tape the sheets on our boobs? I think so. Yeah, And our feet had to be pointed just so. Yeah, because at the beginning, when they first tried it, our feet were sticking out from the bottom of the sheets. And we all had red nails. And did we get our nails painted at the studio? Or did they tell us ahead of time, you have to come here with red nails? I don't remember which. I thought they did it at the studio because they wanted us all to have the same color toenails. They must have, because I don't think we have red nails for like the rest of the pictorial or anything. Yeah, I thought they did it there. And I'm surprised they picked red nails and because I don't feel like that would be Hef's preference and it's funny because um, Hef never expressed a preference for nail polish while I was there at all but I've heard stories about the girls who lived at the mansion after us they say Hef had a rule where they could only wear light pink nail polish and it had to be either shiny or matte I forget which and he'd like throw a fit if you didn't have that nail polish but I've heard it on separate interviews from more than one person that is weird like the Shannon twins said it and then somebody else said it and even though he didn't have a nail fixation when I was there I fully believe it because I feel like that's the type of thing he would do and the fact that more than one person have said that in an interview it just seems like I don't know I just feel like as the years went on he just wanted to ratchet up the control more and more in a way that's such a weird thing to want control over though because like who cares about yeah. the nail color yeah it's very strange um but yeah we want the black sheets Kendra says that the white sheets make us look like innocent virgins and and then they show a picture of us in the white sheets but when did we do that photo it was a test shoot because my hair is not 
finished yet. I can tell. Mine's all like an update. Yeah, I think Kendra's is like almost still in rollers almost or or maybe not, but uh, our, hair, our hair is not done. It was like a test shoot. And I think we were like just kind of moving around and... Okay, because I was like, wait, where'd that picture come from? I have my hair up. Like, it's a totally different thing. And she says, so the the white sheets make us look like innocent versions. The black sheets look erotic. And we were all hoping for the black sheets. Can we talk about foot fetish for a minute? Didn't you have, like, a foot fetish guy who used to hit you up online all the time during Girls Next Door? So, um... Yeah, they were very obsessed with our feet in this pictorial, and they were like the tone. Like we talked about, the toenails had to be painted the same color. They kept pushing us to point our feet, and the camera kept showing close-ups of our feet. And yeah. I know in commentary, I say, um, well, we talk about how they never even showed our feet on the the mm-hmm. actual cover, which I'm glad they didn't because that would have looked random. Yeah, and you say you can't point your feet. I can point my feet, but I can't point. When somebody says point your toes, you're pointing your feet. Yeah. Because if I try to do anything more with my toes, they just kind of curl. <laughs> but the bed, so just so you guys know, too, in order to get that angle, the bed was at like a really steep slant. So we had to kind of like, and we're on satin sheets. So we uh-huh. have to like hold ourselves in that position and we're holding our boobs together for cleavage. They've got the sheets taped onto us and we're at a slant and we're sliding down. We've got these, all these pillows behind us. Yeah. And people are leaning in, trying to make sure every hair on our head is just in the right spot. Yeah. Oh, something in commentary happens really weird right here. We say something and they blip it out. Oh, I didn't notice that. I and wonder it, what it could have been. I don't, I don't know. It goes totally silent. And then we all start laughing and it shows that. And then Holly, you say people are probably going to get bored with our feet talk. And then I keep going on and talking about the feet, the foot fetish guy that emails us. Uh-huh. And I talk about him being part of a whole group that was specifically into feet and kept contacting us about our feet. Maybe it got cut because maybe I was getting explicit because I've always wondered like what it's like to date a guy with a foot fetish. Like, do they want you to like fuck their dick with your feet? Or do they just want to like hang on to your feet while you're fucking? Like, how does it work? I don't know. I don't know. I've never been with a foot fetish guy. I think they like playing with your feet and rubbing your feet and maybe even sucking your toes and things like that. And that gets them aroused. Yeah, I I, don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe that's what we were talking about. But I did notice also that Kendra is oddly quiet in the commentary in this episode. And I know like commentary wasn't her favorite and she didn't like speak up as much in commentary as she did during other events. But I did notice she's really quiet in this commentary. Interesting. Well, I know Kendra has like a foot phobia. She's like the opposite way. Like she hates her feet. She hates people touching her feet. She doesn't like people looking at her feet. She doesn't like pedicures. Oh, man. Like she's like anti the feet. Next scene is Hef is getting told by Norma that our layout is on the way from the studio. And in interview, it talks to you about being on the cut, how much being on the cover means to you. Yeah. And it shows like, a lot of like Hef's former girlfriends on the cover. And it's interesting who they choose to show and who they don't show. They show a cover from the 50s, and that was Joyce, who at the time worked as a secretary in the office. You don't mm-hmm. see her a lot on the show, but she was still around. They show Cynthia Maddox, who was his girlfriend in the early 60s. She's the one with like drawing a lipstick bunny on her stomach. They skip over Mary Warren, who was Hef's girlfriend in between Cynthia and Barbie, and she was on the cover as well. But nobody ever talks about Mary Warren. And Hef would always say, I I keep in touch with all my 
former girlfriends, but except for Mary Warren. I don't know what happened to her. And he would get this weird, wistful look on his face. But interestingly enough, he also doesn't talk to Carrie Lee from the 80s, who they also skip over. But Carrie Lee was just so not mentioned. Interesting. So it's just interesting, like, who they skip over and who they don't and who's, like... Because there was always the kind of culty vibe of like, oh, who's still in the good graces and who isn't. So they show Joyce, Cynthia, Barbie. They don't show Karen Christie, the other girl he was dating at the time of Barbie who was on the cover. They don't show Sandra. Not that Sandra wasn't in good graces, but for whatever, they skip over Sandra. They show Shannon Tweed. They don't show Carrie Lee. They show Kimberly. They show Brandy. Interesting. And Tina was not on a cover. So that's who they show and that's who they don't show. Then the next scene is Hef calling Mo, who is Marilyn Grabowski. By the way, they call her Mo. And this is the first time we're seeing Marilyn on the show, right? I think so. And she was the editor of Playboy at Playboy Studio West. And um, he tells her that he likes the black sheet. So we all, victory, yay. Yeah, we're <laughs> However all much invested we were in that, we are excited. Can I talk about our epic resting bitch faces in some of these shots? Yeah. Because <laughs> we're just like sitting there chilling and it just looks like we're so pissy. And we're not pissy at all. Like I remember that being a great day, but it's just resting bitch face at it again. Yeah. Well, I think we're just trying to hold ourselves up and stay in the position because they wanted us to wait for that phone call to come in. So we're just like trying to like not slip off the bed, hold the pose. Uh In fact, I remember laying there on that bed and just thinking, I think I might have even said it out loud to you, like, I don't want to leave because I just felt like the vibe at the studio was so cheerful and productive and fun and dynamic and not like the stifling dark energy of the mansion. Oh, I never wanted to leave the studio. I loved shooting so much Mm -hmm. and I loved all the people there and I just had such a great time. Like it was no I loved every single minute of it so if we have resting bitch face it's strictly resting bitch face it has nothing to do with being unhappy about sitting there yeah also the camera is like up close and personal to the point where like you can see all of my and Kendra's pores but I actually kind of appreciate seeing that wait not mine well Kendra and I were the only ones in the shot I think but I actually kind of appreciate that because I get so paranoid with aging I'm like what is this on my face what is this so it's kind of refreshing to see footage of me in my 20s and be like oh I had pores back then I need to calm the fuck down (laughs) yeah for sure you know what I mean and then there's a on the fly interview of me saying that our pose is very easy and it is easy it's just we have to hold ourselves up so Mm -hmm. I just want to make that clarification because it sounds contradictory but it is an easy pose it's not like we're trying to arch in weird ways do a back bend yeah do all kinds of weird things like it's relatively easy we're laying in bed but we do have to you know still do the pose and Kendra's saying she does her signature pose and that's kind of when she's like calling out like her signature that this is going to be her signature move yeah it's like with a finger in her mouth which she also does for like the girls next door ads but somebody also pointed out they had the Shannon twins doing that in the ads for girls next door season six. Oh, they just could not resist and I say they meaning the producers they could not resist trying to make the three girls like plug right into our spots mm-hmm which is annoying (laughs) it is annoying can i just say my my biggest cringe for this episode is i hate listening to my voice oh girl i hate listening to my voice too rob's always like do you want to listen to these uh, episodes back like on ghost magnet And i'm like no (laughs) i know everybody kind of does because our voices never sound like what we think they sound like but especially in this episode i just feel like 
I'm being such a fake ass bitch and my voice is like really high pitched. I'm being so careful to not say the wrong thing and just sound really proper and cheerful and like everything's great and it drives me up a wall. Oh, I just hate hearing it. I hate it. And I'm also like I look like a psychopath in my interviews because I'm grinning ear to ear while I'm talking and I know why I'm doing that I'm doing that because I know they're gonna try to cut me to like look like a bitch or you know take words that I'm saying that I don't mean in a bad way and make it look like I'm being bitchy and after we had started seeing some rough cuts of the episodes you know because they're sitting me down to do these confessional interviews I think after we've seen some rough cuts I'm like holy shit I need to plaster a grin on my face no matter what I'm saying so that they can't make me look grumpy or bitchy and I just look like a psychopath because it's just so inauthentic and crazy but I know what I was trying to do I was trying to just look like I was happy and cheerful no matter what what? Yeah. So then we're done shooting and we're saying our goodbyes and you say in there, I think Bridget was sad to leave and I so was. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to leave. And um, there's a cute animation of us running back to the mansion. Oh, yeah. I put that And they in do here. like a Scooby-Doo running noise. Yeah. It's so cute. It's really cute. And then you say, shit. I think if Bridget could post her Playboy every day, she would. And that is absolutely <laughs> true, too. So when they cut back to the mansion, it shows two girls laying out by the pool. Do you know who those are? One of them was Jillian, I thought. I don't know. I mean, I didn't rewind back and do a second look, but I feel like they were maybe girls who were testing or cyber girls. Oh, I totally, I didn't like pay much attention either, but I was like, I just remember thinking, oh, that was Jillian. And who was she with? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I remember that thought going through my head really quickly. So then they're cutting to me, listing off the square footage of the property. And this is, like, prime example of when I'm looking like a psychopath in the interviews. And, like, I I can't stand listening to my voice. And, like, my tour guide persona is coming in handy so I can list off all the square footage. But was the square footage, you said seven acres. And I always thought it was, um, were you adding the bunny house into it? probably round it up because I always wanted Hef to look more glorious. But you're also talking about the bunny house property next door. So I thought maybe you're combining those because that was probably about an acre or a little more. Maybe, but I don't know. I was probably just rounding up to make Hef look good. Oh. Because that was usually what I did. You're talking about there's the main house, there's the guest house, there's the game house, and then across the street at the playmate house. I just thought you were kind of combining it all. So the next scene is me going to the grocery store with Anastasia, which is just like me cooking is such a mundane thing to follow. But it was kind of along the lines of like what reality TV was back then. Like it was kind of like what I call a simple life plot line. Like let's get the spoiled girl to try and cook a meal and watch what happens, which is like so dumb. And who the fuck would watch that? But that was kind of like where reality TV was at that time. And Anastasia says she loves the smell of grocery stores. And I only mentioned that because we talk about how smells really catapult mm-hmm. us sometimes. And I feel like a grocery store was one of those weird things because we never really went to a grocery store while we were at the mansion. Yeah, Rare. E- even to the point where like I'm going to Bristol Farms in this scene. And I think it's the first time I've really been to a grocery store since I moved into the mansion. And that was just out of my price range from before. Like I go into a Bristol Farms and I'm like, wait, where's like the Captain Crunch? And the like sometimes they don't have like the quote unquote normal brands that you see at like a Ralph's or something. I'm all about the Ralph's. Yeah, because like before I moved into the mansion, I was in college. So I didn't cook. I didn't shop at fancy grocery stores. I was eating Hooters food and cereal. (laughs) 
So cooking was new. Like I'd always, I grew up baking with my mom, but I never really like cooked meat or like cooked a dinner or anything like that. Well, that's what I was just going to ask you. It's you say this the first time you're cooking. Was it really your first time cooking? Yeah, besides baking. Like I always used to bake as a kid, like muffins, cookies, cakes, stuff like that. But I'd never made like a meat meal because like, why would I have? Like I was living at home with my mom and then I was in college, like I said, eating Hooters food and cereal. Yeah. So there's just no time I would have cooked. I like how you say grocery shopping is like a scavenger hunt. I still feel that way. Every time I pull out the cart, I'm like, okay, supermarket sweep. Here we go. Like, where is everything going to be? Well, especially since the Bristol Farms was like more upscale brands than I was used to. So I just wasn't seeing like the normal brands. So like I'm going to the salad dressing aisle and I'm like, and nothing's in alphabetical order. They just kind of have it like (laughs) arranged arbitrarily. And my mom is giving me this one dressing brand and I'm like wait what is that like I don't know what the bottle looks like so I'm just literally standing there reading every label like what is this so it just took for fucking ever which looks so dumb but I just didn't know what I was looking for like I didn't know what that bottle looked like or anything yeah and this whole scene was like a real learning experience for me as far as reality tv because initially I was just going to go to the grocery store and they were like well maybe take Anastasia with you because I need somebody to talk to and bounce off of. And that just hadn't occurred to me because ordinarily I'd go run an errand by myself. Yeah. And then I am the least talkative person on the planet. So the fact that the cameras are on you by yourself, like later on when I'm over at the house setting up the scene and like dumping chips into a bowl, you have to kind of talk to nobody. And that was so fucking weird to me. And it's still not something I'm comfortable with. Like, I am just not a personality cut out for reality TV in any way, shape, or form. And that's just like an example of it. I mean, the fact that I even like talk for a living today just kind of blows my mind because I'm not a talker. See, I am. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like I talk through my life anyway. So I feel like I am am cut out for a reality show because I will say out loud, damn, I should have got a smaller ball to myself, to nobody in the room. Like, I will talk my life out. Oh, that's funny. And I say I'm talking to Winnie or the cat or whatever, Mm -hmm. but like I'm really just talking to the walls (laughs) oh that's so funny see for me it's so forced like when I'm talking about like oh I should have got a bigger bowl for these chips like that was like I'm trying to think of what can I say the cameras are on me they want me to say something this is so fucking awkward yeah by the way your your um vegetarian joke is so gross I know what do you call a vegetarian with diarrhea salad shooter well that's me telling fucking dad jokes because i don't know what else to do like is that a dad joke it's a hundred percent a dad joke some my boyfriend is also a big dad joke teller and somebody was commenting on my social somewhere they're like oh now i know why you and your boyfriend hit it off i was watching this episode and like you do the dad jokes too oh no And then, and I know this was a setup scene, they had me call my mom to tell her how nervous I am about the magazine coming out. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I say that I'm nervous because they might take it away from us, which was true. These, these aren't false things, but I know this is a setup yeah. scene. Like, okay, we want you to call your mom and talk about how nervous you are. And me talking about, we keep talking about how we were so worried about Kelly Monaco being on the cover. Well, I thought for sure that she was going to get the cover. I did not. I hoped we were going to get the cover, but I didn't think it because you guys, for some context, Kelly Monaco was a playmate in the 90s and then she went on to be on a soap opera. And then from that soap opera, she was 
cast to be on Dancing with the Stars, the very first season in 2005. And Dancing with the Stars was this immediate phenomenon, immediate hit. It used to be on ABC. It used to be 25 million people watched it. It was just so huge. And people were just, all of a sudden, they knew who Kelly Monaco was. And she was like on the cover of Maxim and like doing all these things and like going to all these premieres. And I was like, whoa. So I thought for sure she would get it, not only because of that, but because I, we had just been conditioned for so long to think that we weren't good enough and we weren't worthy to be in the magazine and nobody yeah. wanted to see Hef's girlfriends anymore. And so I just, I thought it was a very distinct possibility that we wouldn't get it. Mm-hmm. So I was very pleasantly surprised when we did get it. And just to backtrack a little bit to my salad shooter joke, I make a comment and commentary about how Hef kind of like playfully swatted me a little bit when I said that. And I say it's because like Hef doesn't like it when I'm naughty or whatever. And I think there's kind of two things at play here. I think one, Hef didn't like any gross out jokes at all. Yeah. Like you couldn't say the word fart in front of him. He thought fart was the grossest word ever. And he told me it was something that was never said in his house growing up. And I remember there was this girl who was a playmate after we left and she was like very blunt person and she was telling me this story about how Hef farted like in the movie room and she goes dude did you just fart and I'm just dying laughing thinking about that happening can you picture anybody saying to Hef dude did you just fart (laughs) (laughs) I mean so crazy that is hilarious and I think when I talk in the commentary about him not wanting us to be naughty and that People assume Hef would like really quote unquote trashy girls, but he doesn't like us, you know, running around being naughty. I think on some level that was true. He had weird double standards of like, I want these girls to be naked in the magazine, but I think girls are beneath me if they're strippers or whatever. You know, he had all these weird kind of double standards. But also there was a thing when like he didn't like it anytime I was like excited or lit up about something. Like he wanted me in this constant state of just subservience I guess and just this certain like vibrational level like if I was ever in a really good mood or like lit up about something or excited about something especially if somebody said something to me that I got enthusiastic about immediately he would always get in like a pissy mood and like say something to like swipe me down it was really weird yeah so should we we've been talking for quite a while now oh yeah should we call this a two-parter I think so because I still have four pages of notes left. Yeah, I didn't even finish writing down or printing my notes. I wrote my original set of notes on the plane coming back from my last trip, and then I couldn't find them anywhere, so I had to like try to redo them last night, and I tried to type them at the last minute. Oh, and no. I'm just, I'm at where I'm at. So we'll get back to the rest of this episode next week. Bye, guys. Bye. For more Girls Next Level content, be sure and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash girlsnextlevel.